Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Friday, the 14th of April in London. Coming up today, risky side effects. The BOE's pill says the UK may see a positive demand shock from its tight labour market. As easy as ABC for the ECB. A chorus of the central bank's policymakers call for more hikes. US left red-faced after a 21-year-old arrested over the biggest Intel leak in a decade. The cost of EY's failed split, a former TSB executive is fined, and more married couples are now earning the same. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers, and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, the M is for money. LVMH becomes one of the world's most valuable firms as Arno leaves Musk in the dust. All straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. Here are the stories we're following today. The Bank of England's chief economist says the UK economy could see a boost to demand as workers have more to spend. Hugh Pale says high savings and a tight labour market could cause a positive shock to consumption. We think there is a relatively strong relationship between unemployment and precautionary saving. The fact that the outlook for unemployment is less pessimistic, I mean, in other words, we don't expect the unemployment to rise so fast. We think that is supportive of uh, consumption. So that's a space where, if you like, a positive demand shock uh, or positive demand dynamic, at least, may be emerging. Hupel's comments during a market news video conference underlined Britain's problem of workers not returning after the pandemic. He added that the Monetary Policy Committee is divided on whether the economy needs higher unemployment to return inflation to target. Well, the president of the Eurogroup, Pascal Donoghue, has echoed some of Hugh Pill's fears as well. He told Bloomberg that governments have to balance spending to protect jobs with not pushing up prices. As vital as the role of the ECB is and monetary policy is in getting inflation down, we need to ensure that fiscal policy isn't boosting demand exactly at the time in which we're trying to get inflation down. I don't know who added he's still confident euro area inflation will get back to target. Prices have been, price rises have been slowing for the last five months, but core inflation keeps hitting new records, highlighting the tricky task facing the European Central Bank as it decides how far to lift interest rates. The UK government is considering proposals to pool private sector pension money in a bid to unlock investment. Here's Bloomberg's Ewan Potts with the details. The Chancellor says it's the big reform that now needs to happen. Jeremy Hunt reckons UK pension funds invest too heavily in assets with very low returns. Speaking in Washington, the Chancellor says Britain should emulate Australia and Canada, pooling money to invest in unlisted and potentially higher growth industries. 
According to the think tank New Financial, UK-defined contribution pension funds manage around £550 billion in assets. The mooted reforms come as the UK seeks to mobilise private money in response to the huge green energy subsidies being made in the US and the EU. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. China's megabanks are planning bond sales worth around $5.8 billion. The move kicks off a major funding push to comply with global capital requirements by 2025. The issuance comes at a shaky time for global debt markets after Swiss regulators shocked investors with the wipeout of AT1 bonds issued by Credit Suisse. And the FBI has arrested a 21-year-old Air National Guardsman in connection with the leak of highly classified documents. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Jack Teixeira is classified as a cyber transport system journeyman. Education requirement, high school degree, driver's license, up to 18 months of on-job training. How did he have access to the documents? Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder. This was a deliberate criminal act a violation of those guidelines. And White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre. The Department of Defense has said they have taken steps to further uh, restrict access to uh, sensitive information. It will be interesting to gauge international response in the coming days. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Uh, Those are our top stories on the programme this morning. Uh, Another story that caught my eye, though, is the latest on what we had seen to the share price reaction on the luxury giant LVMH yesterday as the shares in the company rose by 5.7% by the end of the day in Paris. It's Europe's largest company by market value, but it's now actually made it into the world's top 10 as well. So a first quarter sales beat uh, for the company, saw that boost in the shares. It's rallied 29% in the year so far. Um, It's market capitalisation, $486 billion, ranking it as the the 10th most valuable uh, company. If it got to $500 billion, that would be the first time that a European company would have reached that milestone. That's particularly good news for Bernard Arnault, who is uh, the world's richest person as well, the man behind LVMH. His fortune soared by $12 billion on Thursday to almost $210 billion. That is, according to the Bloomberg uh, billionaires list, rich go on the terminal if you have it in front of you. Um, that is a change in, you know, a pretty pretty massive change. Year to date, uh, he's worth almost $48 billion more, uh, widening the gap between himself and Elon Musk. So Elon Musk now worth uh, a, pal- a paltry 108 uh, $180 billion, according to the Bloomberg uh, billionaires list. Always good to have a check on Rich Go on a Friday morning if you want to put your put your weekend into perspective before you uh, get a wind down for the working week. Um, that is one of the stories that I have been watching this morning. Let's talk more, though, about the prospect for future rate rises, particularly from the European Central Bank. We heard from a chorus of governing council members speaking at the IMF spring meetings. Uh, Joachim Nagel, uh, Edward Shiluna, uh, Robert Holtzman, Martin Kazaks, all citing the need for more action. Let's bring in our chief rates correspondent, Garfield Reynolds, for more on this story. Uh, Garfield, is this actually indicative of more hawkishness at the ECB or is it in line with comments that we've heard previously from these policymakers? Well, I think it's mostly in line with the previous comments and it's also a reflection of you know, the situation that Europe finds itself in relative to the rest of the world. Uh, Inflation took off in Europe even before it really took off in the US, and yet the ECB was slower to respond than the Fed and has so far taken rates significantly less 
uh, than the Fed has. You know, the ECB rates around three percent, and the Fed rates almost at five percent. So that's um, that's a big difference. And the Fed has seen, you know, even even with core inflation higher than it would like, it has seen a potential peak in that, whereas, as you were mentioning before, the ECB has not seen an actual peak in European core inflation. So, with that backdrop and with what they've said before, it's not a surprise. I suppose the, I mean, the big question is, markets are positioned for a 25 basis point hike, but there are some uh, ECB officials who are saying they think that 50 basis points could be necessary. And you know, when you look at that context I mentioned, they, they could well end up deciding on that, especially depending on how the data develop between now and when they meet. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a couple of weeks away yet from the next ECB meeting on the 4th of May. So there is some more time and some more space for that data to factor into it. The sticky element of inflation is an interesting element isn't of, of that puzzle that they'll be looking at. Where should we be thinking about or what should we be watching out for between now and the next ECB, ECB meeting in terms of data that might point us in a clearer direction of whether or not that 50 basis points could actually be likely? Well, I mean, the most obvious your point is we, we will get fresh inflation data. We'll also get um, you know, sort of softer data, you know, surveys and so on, which can show, in particular, our services industries you know, coming back. That's been a key concern everywhere. And, and for Europe, too, you know, more even than for America, what's going on with oil prices and therefore with energy prices in general could be really key uh, because you know, Europe is very much overwhelmingly, uh, especially when it comes to fossil fuels, an importer of those energy goods. So, that's, again, something that feeds into inflation in and of itself and inflation expectations. Uh, and those surveys, as, you know, they're going to give also a taste of how the economy is traveling, how concerned the ECB might be about the economy. And I, I think also you know, European officials will be watching, as we all will be, with interest. What do America's big banks say in their earnings report? Because the one wild card for everybody is if uh, it turns out that the uh, burst of banking turmoil that we had uh, in March, if, if that comes back in any way, if we get fresh ructions in the global financial system, you know, that's something that everybody's going to have to take account of, including European Central Bankers. Yeah, it's interesting. You you raise the point about the the different uh, the the potential divergence there between the Fed and the ECB as well. We had the PPI numbers out of the US uh, yesterday showing a slowdown in producer prices. What should we take away from that when we're thinking about where the Fed goes next? Well, I mean, I mean that's the sort of thing that feeds through with more of a lag. I think it it help, it would help the Fed to look to a situation where they raise. In May, and then hold to assess. You know, so much of what Jerome Powell and John Williams and some of the other Fed speakers have been concerned about has been with services inflation, also with what's going on with housing and rent, you know, shelter costs. None of those really get a direct feed through from from the PPI numbers, which is why, for example, you know, we we had a very strong reaction, especially initially, uh, in the Treasuries market when CPI came in a little bit softer than had been expected, uh, 
on the headline. We didn't get a strong reaction from the bond market last night to PPI. In fact, yields ended up higher on the day, although not significantly. So, uh, yeah, I think PPI is it's part of that background, part of that context that has economists and investors expecting that inflation is going to get under, fully under control in the U.S. Uh, the Fed will be able to pause rates, but it's no sort of a smoking gun for them to you know, to actually decide to pause rates at the May meeting. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, no, no smoking gun yet anyway. Garfield Reynolds, our Chief Rights Correspondent, thank you very much for that. Up next, the cost of EY's failed split, a former TSB exec find, and more married couples are now earning the same. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Bloomberg's Leanne Gairns is here with us with more on those stories. Let's start, Leanne, in The Times. EY UK warned to expect staff exits and cost cuts after failure of split. That's the headline there. Yes, that's a headline in the FT. And this all comes after EY's Global Executive Committee announced earlier this week, it was on Tuesday, that it had ditched the plan known as Project Everest. And that was following opposition from its US unit. So EY bosses are now reportedly discussing cost-cutting measures after the firm dropped its plan to separate its consulting and audit division, Stephen. So bosses have told partners to prepare for a fresh cost-cutting plan and also a stream of staff departures. Now, an audio recording of a call from Anna Anthony. Now, she is the UK managing partner for the financial services, was shared with the Financial Times where she did warn of these job cuts and hard times ahead. Anthony also admitted to feeling disappointed and embarrassed by the failure of the split, saying that EY globally had spent 
$600 million mm. on this project, which has failed. The UK chair also told partners on the same call that the brand had actually been damaged by the whole debacle. Do we know when the cost-cutting might actually start? Yes, so according to the FT, it looks like the cost-cutting would begin in its new financial year, which does start in July. So not too far off now, but that is the prediction. Okay, interesting reading the Financial Times this morning. Let's go to the Times newspaper next. Former TSB executive fined by the Bank of England over IT meltdown. So the BOE's fined TSB's former chief information officer, Carlos Abarca, for failing to manage an IT migration in 2018. Now, Stephen, this is a rare example of a fine for a breach of UK rules aimed at making senior managers at banks directly accountable for their actions. Now, this was actually brought in after the financial crisis of 2008. Now, he's been fined £81,620, and that's by Prudential Regulation Authority. And this is for this massive IT meltdown and the chaos actually affected 5.2 million customers. I, I remember as well it was a, a very big story on, on social media of people not being able to get into their accounts. No, absolutely. And we do know that, you know, people's PIN numbers were knocked out. There was absolute chaos. Now, the calamity in 2018 was caused when the bank switched its IT systems to a platform run by the Spanish bank Sabadell, which bought the British business for £1.7 billion back in 2015. But Stephen, it actually only returned to usual in December 2021. That is a significant time, years yeah, to get yeah. things back on track. Indeed, yeah. And the question then, of course, was the confidence around it as well. How do you rebuild that? Uh, Leanne, we're going to the Wall Street Journal next for an interesting headline. I'm keen to know the detail. More married couples earn equal pay, few do equal housework. Actually, now that I've read it out loud, it doesn't sound that surprising. Absolutely not surprising. I saw the headline and I was like, okay. okay." (laughs) Says Leanne. (laughs) Says Leanne. But nearly a third of marriages now have no primary breadwinner as women continue to make strides towards greater equality, both, Stephen, in the workplace and also in the home. So about 30% of opposite-sex marriages now have equal earnings. But also one of the main drivers of the shift is younger women just making more money. But data from Pew Research Centre did highlight that men still remain the breadwinner of most marriages. But even when the woman earns as much as their husbands, they still put in around two more hours a week on caregiving than their husbands do, plus another two and a half hours more on housework. I would have said five, but two and a half is fine. And in those same relationships, this is something that made me giggle a little bit. Men spend nearly 3.5 more hours on leisure activities, such as watching telly or playing video video games than their wives do. Controversial. Controversial. (laughs) But, you know, there we are, all fair in love and war, as they say. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Hold up. 
collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.